The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Man, I I just love worshiping with you, church. I want you to know how awesome you are. What a blessing it is to to just gather together with you and to to sing with you. It's just, it's amazing. This is the the apex of my week is coming together with you and uh, just just singing and glorifying God together. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord. Well, this is week two of our journey through the uh, book of Jonah. And through this series, my aim is to help us to continue to walk in the right direction in our Christian lives. Our desire as a church, and it should be every believer, is to be a people who love the commandments of the Lord, who love the will of God, and who seek to follow His ways. Jonah is a book about running. Jonah is running in each chapter in a different direction in regards to his relationship with God. Last week, we covered uh, Jonah chapter 1, where this prophet spends the entire chapter running from God. Church, he's actually running from the presence of the Lord. God has called him to this city called Nineveh, an extremely wicked city. And God wants Jonah to warn them about the coming judgment if they do not repent because of their wickedness. This is a city that the prophet Nahum calls the city of blood. Friends, this is a violent place. It is a cesspool of wickedness. And God wants Jonah to go there. And understandably, Jonah says, not on your life. I do not want to go to Nineveh. The point, one of the main observations last week that we saw is that The Christian life, friends, is difficult at times. It's not all cupcakes and rainbows. The Christian life is difficult. God will ask you to love people that seem unlovable. I thought I'd get an amen right there. He'll ask you to forgive people you don't want to forgive. Go places you do not want to go like Walmart. And, uh, you know, he'll have you go to, to some crazy places and do things for him that stretch you, that bring you out of your comfort zone. He'll ask you to do things that maybe don't align with your will. The Christian life, the New Testament makes very clear, friends, is a life of sacrifice. Jesus bids us to count the cost before coming to Him. Salvation is free, but the Christian life is a life of sacrifice. So to avoid being stretched in this way, Jonah jumps on a cruise ship. And he heads in the opposite direction. Have you ever headed in the opposite direction from where God wanted you to go? But here's what I love about Jonah chapter 1 and this whole book. When God is fleeing, or or, excuse me, when Jonah is fleeing God, we see God pursuing Jonah. And when we are running from Him, what's interesting is we, we turn around, we think we've gained a lot of distance and we turn around in repentance and God is right there. Because while we are running, God is pursuing. We serve an awesome God. The Lord sends a storm that threatens to break up the ship. And the only way to get the storm to calm down, Jonah tells the sailors, listen, you've got to throw me overboard. So the observation here is that though God's will is tough, friends, not being in His will is much tougher, much more difficult. You think serving Him is hard? 
Try not serving Him. Try fleeing from Him and see how that turns out for you. Don't do it. So they cast Him to the sea finally and it looks like Jonah's story is over. But by grace, by God's uh, sovereignty, He appoints a big fish. Nothing's impossible for God. Amen? He appoints a big fish to swallow Jonah. His life is spared. He gets a second chance. And this is where we are at in Jonah chapter 2. So just very quickly, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, would you stand to your feet for just a moment? Jonah chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, the words will be on the screen for you. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land who, whose bars closed up me for, upon me forever. Yet you brought me. You brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, folks, I am not scared of death. But I want you to know something. I'm petrified of the process of dying. Now, I do something, I've done something kind of crazy, and I hope I'm not the only one, but I've actually given God requests on how I'd like to be taken out. <laughs> Come on, am I, I assume that you're even laughing at me or laughing because you know that you've done that too. Like, here, here's my plan. Like, Lord, I just want to go out when I'm sleeping. Right? Preferably a long time from now. Alright? So I, I've got this worked out. Well, guys, listen. I love the water. I love the water. I love to swim. I love oceans. I love pools. I love lakes. We go out on a lake quite often. I, I love water. But you know what I've discovered? I don't want to drown. That's not how I want to go out. So before I get in the water, I'm always praying to the Lord, just let me, just let me come back up to the surface. Alright? I don't want to go out this way. When I was young, I learned to swim at a place in Winchester called Breaker Swim and Tennis Club. And I loved Breaker Swim and Tennis Club. It became the YMCA in Winchester because they had a really cool pool called the Wave Pool. I think we have a picture here. We have the Wave Pool. We have that. Look at that. Huh? That's me, by the way. Yeah, there I am in the Wave Pool. And I want you to notice something here. Like, y'all think I'm a fanatic because, you know, my hair and all that stuff? My mom made me this way. I'm swimming and look at my hair combed, you know. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> so this is the wave pool. And the wave pool was great to swim in because you can see there in the shallow, it's very, very, very shallow. So, I mean, you know, you see little toddlers playing in that part and it's fun and the waves are splashing. And as you learn to swim, 
you go out a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and it just gradually gets deeper. And I loved it because I got to take swim lessons one week, and they taught us to swim in the wave pool. And by the end of the week, I'm super, super confident. All right? I'm out to about the four or five foot, and I'm swimming. I'm young, and I'm, I'm swimming, and I'm loving life. And I, you know, I feel like a little fish just going around that, that whole section there. I'm proud of myself. But at the end of the week, to graduate the class, you have to do one more thing. There's one more test. At the very deep end, I wish I had a picture of this. At the very, very deep end, there's what we call the blue wall. It's this massive wall that sits, sends about eight foot above the top of the deep end. And our final test is this. We have to jump off the blue wall into the deep end of the pool and not drown. Right. We have lifeguards all around us. Today they'd be texting on their phones, you know, they wouldn't be paying any attention. But, but you know, so, so we have these lifeguards, you know, on both sides, they're ready in case we just, whoop, you know, sink up. So I'm thinking, man, I can do this, I'm not this way. And you get on the top, now eight foot doesn't sound high. When you're a little kid and you're looking down to the vastness of the pool and you can't even see the bottom, it's so deep on this, this other end. Folks, I was petrified and I remember just, you know, shaking and and I'm standing there at the edge, and, and, I'm, and I'm just, I'm looking over, and I'm thinking, I cannot do this. I can't do it. And I'm willing to give up my entire, like, week of swimming and say, man, I didn't pass or whatever. I, I just want to go back, and I want to hug from my mom or something, all right? Like, I, I don't want to do this. So here's what happens. This is in the day where you can still be, be mean to children and not get sued. It's a good old days when people didn't get so whiny about everything, Right? And so I'm pretty sure that it was a swimming structure that pushed me off the stinking big, massive blue wall. What in the world? She's trying to kill me. Like, I don't know if I want to come to the top. I'm afraid she's going to try to, like, stab me or, you know. I mean, she's trying. She wants to get my life. And I sink down. I make a huge splash in the water. And I just, boop, you know, kind of sink. I just sink, and, and, I, and, and you just get that. And I remember that feeling of, not, you know, I'm not going to get air in my lungs again. I don't think I had time to plug my nose up. You, know, you got that burning sensation in your nose, and I'm thinking, man, this is it for me. Well, I finally make it to the top, and I'm super proud by the time I make it to the top. Swim to the ladder, I think I jump off three or four more times. But I learned something that day, friends. I do not want to go out in the water, all right? It's, it's, so you pray with me. If, if I'm going to go out, years down the road, it's going to be... In my sleep, right? So here's the thing. Jonah would rather... Um, think about this. How, how many... Let me just get a show of hands real quick. How many have that fear of drowning? Like, that's, like, that's a horrible fear. Even if there's a movie on and somebody, like, can't get air, like, I'm holding my breath and I'm like, come on, come on. You know, I, I feel it because I've just been petrified of that. Jonah would rather be cast into the sea and drown than follow the will of the Lord. So if you're taking notes, I want to begin this chapter by looking at Jonah's stubbornness. Any stubborn folks in the house? <laughs> All right. Good. I'm in good company. This prophet would better rather be tossed in the sea and drowned than to submit to the Lord. He's thrown overboard and it seems that he is still, friends, not crying out to the Lord. His stubbornness does not stop there. I want to point something out to you. Look at verse 1 in chapter 2. It starts with the word then. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. His God from the belly of the fish. Then. What's that mean? 
Well, when you see the word then, we have to look what came right before that. So if you go down to chapter 1 and verse 17, it says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. When does Jonah pray? It seems, by the, if we take this literally, I think we should, it seems that he prays only after being in the belly of the fish for three days. Friends, this is one stubborn dude. I mean, if you think back, the storms are raging and he knows all I have to do is acquiesce to the will of God. I don't even have to like it. I just have to obey him and the storm will, will stop. The sailors are throwing over precious cargo. I mean, they're basically sending their business down the tank. I mean, they, what, what are they doing? You know, all Jonah has to do is just say, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm fine. You've got my attention. He doesn't do it then. Goes overboard. Doesn't call upon the Lord. And even still, he's in the stinking belly of a fish. I mean, can you imagine? that? I know the storybooks make this look all cute. This is gross. I'm a germaphobe. This is plain nasty. Come on, somebody. This is disgusting. But here's what I see when I read Jonah 1 and 2. I see Jonah's life slowly unraveling. And I'm, I'm kind of on the sidelines going, Jonah, come on. Pay attention. Submit to the will of God. And that's what I see as a pastor. I've done this in my life. In over 20 years of ministry, I have seen friends, many people, just sw- I've watched their lives piece by piece unravel. And don't you just want to shake them? And go, when are you going to submit to the will of the Lord? Piece by piece, we think we can outweigh God. We think, you know, we can outsmart God. Friends, you cannot. He has way more patience than you do. He knows how to get our attention. And here's what I've learned about God. God loves us enough to let us go through some hardships when we are disobedient. To break us of our stubbornness so that we can align with His will. Because, friends, His will, though it's difficult, is best for us. I love Hebrews 12, 4. It says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord, watch this, disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom His Father does not discipline? God here, friends, is treating Jonah as a son. It's beautiful. This is not evil. God is not evil, yet He lets hardships come upon us because He loves us that much. So God's commands and His plans are best for us. And Jonah is running and God is pursuing, allowing him to go through hardships so that there might be a shift in Jonah's attitude, that it might bring him to repentance. What's the Bible say? It's the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. I love Psalm 119.35. The psalmist says, direct me in the paths of your commands. For there I find delight. That ought to be our attitude when it comes to the will of the Lord. Lord, I find joy in doing what you've asked me to do. So don't be stubborn. It's a painful thing, friends, to live outside of the will of God. If you're there today, change it. 
Submit to God's will. Now let's look secondly. We looked at Jonah's stubbornness. Let's look at his shift. There's a shift that happens. When is it that Jonah finally calls upon the Lord? What makes him cry out to God? In verse 2, he says, Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Sheol refers to the holding place of the dead. Uh, I, I believe Jonah's being very poetic here. He's saying, listen, I was at death's door. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I'm on the door of death. Jonah, Jonah is describing a near-death experience. And it's interesting that this doesn't seem to cause him to run to the Lord. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He's recounting when he was in, in the water, in drowning. And the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. But Jonah still does not make this shift. He's still not repenting. He's still not calling upon the Lord. Now look at verse 4. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. This is good right here. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. You catch the shift there? Jonah's saying, listen, his eyes are, are, are now turning to the Lord. Oh, there's a just this glimmer of hope, I shall again look upon your holy temple. This is Jonah's shift right here. You know what it is? Feeling driven from the sight of God. That's the worst consequence there is, friends. The most painful consequence about being out of God's will is being out of fellowship with Him. Being closed off to the presence of God. It's a miserable place to be. You know, I have two teenage boys, and it's interesting, you know, every, in, in, you know, my youngest son is 15 years old, my oldest 18, and over those years, as you can imagine, two or three times they've disobeyed their parents. When they disobey, hear me, I love them still, and I, I will protect them, I'll go to bat for them, I'll do anything I can for them. But, and they know that, but there's a tension in our home. Meal time's kind of awkward, kind of quiet. Family time, you know, at night in, in the living room, pretty quiet, pretty awkward. There's just kind of this strange feeling, even though you're in the same room. And I believe that's how it is when we refuse to do what God's asked us to do as His children. There's a separation that happens, and it's a miserable place to be. You know, I've talked to people, they've come in services like this and they see people weeping in the presence of God as we sing. They've seen them during the, the Word just really, read, that, that Word really resonate within their hearts. But they, they've said, you know what, I just don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. And, and I know that God's more than a feeling, but listen, there are times that I've seen people like, for instance, harbor bitterness in their heart. They're mad at somebody, they won't forgive, and it has closed them off to the presence of God. They're out of fellowship with God. I'm not saying God doesn't love you, but I'm saying it really does affect your life. And that is the most painful consequence. I think back to my life, even since ministry and times that I've not done what the Lord has asked me to do. And there have been those times, several of those times, and I have been stubborn. Friends, I can be pretty stubborn. I'm saying Amen. I can be stubborn. And in those times of stubbornness, I always have physical consequences. There's something in my life that doesn't go right. But the worst part is I feel so distant from, distant from God. 
It's miserable to feel that way. Let's look again at the shift in Jonah's attitude. Verse 4, he says, Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Here's what I love in his shift. When he comes to terms with, I'm going I'm to give in to God, I'm going to run to God, he doesn't walk around in shame here. God doesn't make him sit in time out. He doesn't walk around in self-pity. There was no room to walk in the fish. So he, he remembers the Lord and he has hope. He doesn't say, oh, I wonder if God's going to take me. I, don't, I wonder if God's going to use me. I, no. I love the hope in his voice. I shall look again upon your holy temple. I mean, he's at the bottom. He's in the stinking belly of a fish. And what's he, what's he say? Oh, Lord, I know one day I'm going to experience your presence again. What a merciful God we serve. Amen? Verse 7, he says, When my life was fainting, I remembered the Lord. He's talking about remembering His promises. And my prayer came to you. My prayer came to you. Jonah, even in this great disobedience, he just, he just believes that God is hearing his prayer into your holy temple, he says. Jonah has confidence in the compassion and the mercy of God. Now, this is not something we take for granted. This is no license to sin. But Jonah has compassion, or he, he has um, confidence, excuse me, in the compassion of God and the mercy of God. I just want you to know, if you've been running from God and you're sitting here today and you go, ah, I just don't know if I can come back. I don't, I don't know if I can really ever have what I had. Listen, don't wait any longer. Okay, God is patient. He's long-suffering. But there will come a day His patience runs out. But today... You don't have to walk around with your head down. Repent and run to the Lord. He's been pursuing you this whole time. You turn around, you think you've run so far, and there He is, friends. He's right there. It's incredible. So as Jonah's faith rises, we see an incredible response from God. So thirdly, quickly, I want to look at God's salvation. The Lord's salvation. Verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols... Forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. This is great. This is the same man trying to evade the presence of God in the last chapter. He says, what I vowed I'll pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let me just walk through this very quickly. Jonah points out that there is no saving help in his mess in anyone but the Lord. Jonah can't fix this. And so often, friends, we try to fix every situation in our lives. I mean, we try to, we try to fix it ourselves. So we try to get every self-help book and we turn to Oprah and Dr. Phil. There's nothing wrong with getting help from others. Often the Lord uses other people. But there's some things in our lives, there's some messes, guys, that only God can fix. Jonah says there's, there's no help in anyone. He's recalling back, he's recalling the pagan sailors on the boat in verse 8 there. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. The sailors were, were pagans. They were calling upon lowercase g gods and they couldn't get nowhere. They didn't want to do it God's way. They didn't want to throw Jonah over the boat, understandably. So they're calling upon their false gods and getting nowhere. They're throwing their cargo over. They're rowing harder, wearing themselves out, trying to do it themselves. But guys, that's not how we fix things in our lives. We run to the Lord. Do we have responsibility? Absolutely. But we start by running to the Lord. 
And here's what Jonah does. He prays with thanksgiving. Look at verse 9. But I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. Think about this. In the belly of a stinky, acidic fish covered in who knows what. Okay, just let your mind go there for a minute. If you're a little hungry thinking about lunch, this will help you. All right? Hope you're not going to Red Lobster, right? I want you to think, he's in this fish. And Jonah is not bitter about the fish. He's grateful for the fish. He's grateful for the storm. He's grateful for the storm. He's grateful for the turmoil. Because it's pointed him back in the right direction. We're going to sing this song in just a moment one more time. I thank God for the mountains. And I thank Him for the valleys. I look back to some of the darkest seasons of my life and I'm grateful because those are the things that have helped me turn back around. They've gotten my attention. They've caused me to run to the arms of a loving God. And here's what Jonah does. This is vital. Verse 9. He says, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice you what I have vowed I will pay. He's a prophet of the Lord. What I vowed I will pay. What's Jonah doing here? He's repenting. He's repenting. To repent means to have a shift in your thinking. It's a, first a change of mind which affects your actions. It starts with the mind. It ends with behavior. Jonah has a shift. A shift in his mind. He's turning from himself. He decides, alright, I'm not going to go away from your presence anymore. I'm not going to go to this other city, Tarshish. I'm going to actually go to Nineveh. I'm going to do what I said I would do. I'm, I'm going to pay my vow to you, Lord. He's running to the Lord. He realizes Jonah's tired. He's broken. He's done with himself. And you know, I wish it didn't take reaching this low of a point before we were done with ourselves. But often it does. You see somebody's life that you love and your family or friend just unraveling moment by moment. Pray for them. Don't worry. Because they're headed to a place where there's nowhere to go but up. And when they look up, that loving Savior is going to be there. Alright? Pray for them. Repentance, friends, is the road back to fellowship with God. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Friends, Jonah realizes he cannot help himself. He cannot save himself from the mess he made. He says, listen, I can't do it. I don't even know the way out of here. He's thinking, you know, don't let your mind go anywhere here. You know, he, like, how's he going to get out of this mess, right? He doesn't want to go either direction, right? He, he, he just, listen, I can't do this. But it's not really the fish that he's concerned about. It's just, listen, in this life, I can't run from you. I can't fix my own life. This is more than just being in the belly of a fish. Jonah says salvation belongs to the Lord. And when he, when he recognizes that immediately, God doesn't make him wait three more days. He says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Salvation belongs to the Lord. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, you cannot save yourself. I know the mentality of the world is try harder, give more, be nice, be kinder. But you can never be the standard of a holy God 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.